a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. When we look at ourselves and the situation of the world, uh, God is certainly there, but He's hidden there. He's not seen there. He's not. He, he hasn't put Himself there to be found. Where He puts Himself to be found is on the cross. That's where we know that He loves us. So we can just as well undo God's love for us as we can go back in time and pry the nails out of Jesus' hands. We can just proclaim God's word, trust it will do what it says it will do, and no longer be be judging the effectiveness of the, of the preached word by human standards of measurement, by by the number of people that are there, but but rather to just do what God told us to do, to preach the word and administer the sacraments. Ch- Charles Finney could have possibly had the ugliest face of any theologian, <laughs> except for Brian Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm your host, Evan Gigline, here with everyone's favorite co-host of a Lutheran theological game show, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. I like it when you call me the theological bull rider. I never call you the theological bull rider, so you can't like it that much. <laughs> hey, I was doing some show prep this morning. Uh, oh, doing bumper music. How'd yeah, that go for this you? is going to be a great show because I actually did show prep today. Um, but when I was working on it, uh, I got to hear a knock at the door. I thought, what is what is going on? And lo and behold, Jehovah's Witness uh, stands in my doorway. And you know what the first thing she says to me? What? Did I just wake you up? <laughs> <laughs> or, or do you just have a face for radio, she was wondering. How is uh, that? You get woken up by the Jehovah Witness. It's like nine thirty, and you roll out of bed, and you're there in your uh, in your sweatpants and stuff. And she says, "Here I am, building the kingdom, and there you are, doing a radio show." Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, what do we have in store? Oh, great! Uh, your little Facebook charade. Um, you're doing. You keep posting things on Facebook that I have no idea about. All of a sudden, I get a flood of voicemail messages. I'm like, "What's going on?" Yeah, that's right. Our Facebook, uh, we got our Table Talk Radio Facebook page now. Oh, this thing is great. It's our own little group. And we have, I'm checking in here, I'm checking, we have 259 members on this thing. So apparently we have about 100 fans on Facebook for every one listener we have. Now, I have a goal, though. I would like, I'm going to announce this goal because I study all this church growth stuff, so I'm, I know just how to do it. In fact, I wrote a little, I didn't tell you about this paper I wrote, How to Write a Church Growth Book in Five Easy Steps. I'll, uh, <laughs> if anyone's interested, just send me an email and I'll send it off to you. But uh, I have a church growth size goal here. Our, our little fan page has 259 members. Now, Kirk Cameron has uh, uh, two, five, well, no, 52,000 uh, and 59 members, which is means that, that if we... Is that of, of Growing Pains fame? Uh, yeah, Kirk Cameron of Growing Pains fame, of... of, uh, of Left the, Behind? Yeah. Yeah, the Dispensational movie. He did Fireproof. He's 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 uh, Him and uh, Ray Comfort have this uh, Way of the Master thing, which I think is uh, half good and half bad, but it's, it's better than all bad. Uh, <laughs> and he has, though, 52,059 fans, which means that we only need... 51,800 to go to match Kirk Cameron. So we are well uh, on our we're way. We're looking for 51,800 more fans, and we will uh, we will surpass Kirk Cameron. <laughs> 
All right, every every just radio show. Just about all the information though for this for this show today comes from our Facebook page. People have been writing all this stuff, bumper stickers, game ideas, etc. It's great. Yeah, I I was uh, peacefully watching uh, Bill Cosby himself last night on DVD, and I get these flood of of voicemail messages from our. Uh, from our voicemail system at 866-851-5523, including this one. Hey, it's Iggy. I'm just calling because uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller offered points to anyone who called tonight. Thank you. Have a good night. Now, are you giving away points for people who call? Oh, yeah. There are points flowing like crazy on our on our Facebook page. You're going to run out. I, well, yeah, I know it's true. I, I, the first time I posted it up, though, I put the wrong phone number. This is just classic. <laughs> so, so someone wrote and they said, "Hey, I don't think that's the right number. It was the answer machine of some law firm." <laughs> <laughs> so I gave away a thousand points to everyone who accidentally called the law firm, and then one hundred <laughs> points for everyone who left a message for you. Oh, oh man, <laughs> that's classic. That. Yeah, I thought this whole you not knowing the number thing was just an act to be funny, but no, it's it's real. <laughs> I, I put it, I put the wrong number. I put it all. I put the wrong number on our page like four times, uh, and I kept <laughs> finding the wrong number. Oh man! This is Eric, the truck driver, and I love table talk radio. Without theological buzzwords, I could never understand Johann Gerhard. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's time for some theological buzzwords. This is where we give each other uh, a theological word, which we have to work in in the conversation sometime during the show. And my theological buzzword for you, Pastor Wolfmuller, is Hosanna. Hey, nice. Uh, this is Palm Sunday or Palm or Passion Week, depending on when you listen to Table Talk Radio. And so Hosanna literally means save now, uh, but it's the word that uh, they cried out in the triumphal entry as Jesus rode in uh, to Jerusalem on a donkey. And uh, they waved palm branches in their hands, uh, crying out, Hosanna, uh, a cry of, of salvation, but also a cry of praise. So, Hosanna. Yes, that's a, from Psalm uh, 118, isn't it? Hosanna in the highest. And we sing it when we sing uh, uh, the blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, uh, right before the Lord's Supper. That's the second part of the Sanctus, the holy, holy, holy. That's fantastic stuff. Okay, do you have one for me? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was waiting for you to expound on that. Oh, no, no. You, uh, my, my buzzword for you is also a Palm Sunday-themed word. It's simply palmarum, which is the Latin word for Palm Sunday, palmarum. Can you spell it? I, I like giving you Latin buzzwords because then I notice when you say them. I say then Latin I all the time that you don't notice. <laughs> Paul Marum, P-A-L-M, I think A-R-U-M, Paul Marum. Paul Marum, Paul Marum. All righty. I'll double check on that spelling here. Yeah, because I get extra points if I say it and you didn't even spell it right for me. Sure. How am I supposed to write on my little, my nifty little page here if I don't even have it spelled right? If you, uh, if you joined the Facebook, if you joined our Facebook page, I'd give you oh, 100 points. brother. Yep, P-A-L-M-A-R-U-M. Bear me. All right, let's uh, let's get into some emails or some Facebook messages. I guess we have now, or some phone messages. I, I have a phone message we can we can do first. It's this one right here. Does God forgive us when we pray? And ask Him to forgive us. There you go. Short and sweet. Uh, a nice question. Does God forgive us when we pray and ask Him to forgive us? 
the answer, and this is a this is an interesting question. Um, the answer is God forgives us. Now, how He gets that forgiveness to us um, is is the is the kind of marvelous dynamic of of our evangelical theology. The first point, though, to make on that is that the Lord teaches us to pray for forgiveness, right? He teaches us to confess our sins, to pray. In fact, He, he uh, in the Lord's Prayer. We pray every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And in um, uh, and in uh, John, 1 John chapter 3, he talks about confessing, or sorry, 1 John chapter 1, uh, we confess our sins. God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. With uh, Psalms, like Psalm 32, I believe, does Psalm 32 say, when I kept quiet, my, my bones waxed old all day long, right. the mm -hmm. groaning within me. But when I confessed my sin, you uh, forgave the iniquity of my sin. Uh, so that we have in the scriptures the command to both a to confess our sins and to ask the Lord for forgiveness. But the, the danger, though, and this is why this takes a little kind of working through, the danger is that we would, uh, that we would see our prayers as a, a sort of a means through which the Lord forgives us. You, you know what I mean? So if we didn't ask for forgiveness, then the Lord wouldn't forgive us or something like this. Now, in repentance, in the two parts of repentance, both contrition and in faith, um, we are passive. So the Lord, through his law, works in us contrition, sorrow for our sin. And in the gospel, he works faith, that is, trust in the promise of the forgiveness of our sins. So so the whole process of repentance, we, we are the passive uh, agents of God's working. He creates this in us. So what is the role of prayer? Well, the Lord wins the forgiveness of our sins by his death on the on the cross. He delivers to us the forgiveness of sins in the gospel and in, in, the, in his word, in his sacraments. Uh, but then prayer is just simply the natural voice, really, of faith. So that when the Holy Spirit works in us contrition, we pray, Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then when he works in us faith, we pray to him, Oh, Lord, thank you for being merciful, merciful to me and... Uh, and forgiving all of my sins. So prayer is not the cause of God's forgiveness, but it is simply the natural response of the Holy Spirit's working forgiveness in us. Yeah, I was just talking uh, about this in Bible class yesterday, that uh, to emphasize the objectivity of forgiveness, that forgiveness was won uh, on the cross 2,000 years ago. So you ask someone, when were you forgiven? When did God forgive you? 2,000 years ago. Now we receive the benefits of that forgiveness uh, by faith through his word and sacrament. Uh, but uh, lest we think that we're forgiven because of anything that we do or as a response uh, that, that we've done something. No, no, no. Forgiveness was won outside of us 2,000 years ago and is bestowed even still behind uh, outside of us uh, through word and sacrament. Extra dose, as, as uh, Luther said. Well, that's the end of the first what? segment. Can you believe Short. it? Don't, I know. But don't worry. More Table Talk Radio after this. Don't go away. If the internet crashed all across the land, or my Facebook account was deleted by the man, I carry around a picture of my face and a summary of me typed out on a page. Shrivel up and die without my many feet. Take a look. You're on Facebook. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, serious theology. 
seriously bad hosts. The traditional understanding says that God asks of us something God is incapable of himself. That's emergent church pastor Brian McLaren on his criticism of the traditional view of atonement. God asks us to forgive people, but God is incapable of forgiving. Uh, God can't forgive unless he punishes somebody in place of the person he was going to forgive. God, God doesn't say to, to you, um, forgive your wife and then go kick the dog to vent your anger. Well, what do you think? Join us for the next edition of Table Scraps Live on April the 11th at 8 o'clock Central Time when we're talking about the emergent church movement with Chris Roseborough of Fighting for the Faith in Pirate Christian Radio. That's Table Scraps Live on Sunday, April the 11th at 8 o'clock Central Time. Just visit our website, tabletalkradio.org, or click on over to piratechristianradio.com. I'm laughing in your face If you just joined Facebook today It's so last year Even my boss has weekend picks on there Weekend picks? <laughs> yeah, like casual picks in his hot tub Did he tag himself? And now I can't remember What life was like before I twittered I can't resist Telling the world I just found a cyst Oh man, you think it's serious? <laughs> if it is, I'll let you know in 140 characters or less <laughs> Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are so hip with the internet fame. Uh, pa- Pastor, just just promise me, uh, even though we have Facebook, we'll never get Twitter. Please. I think we I think we already had a Twitter. Remember the idea for Twitter was that we would uh, we would Twitter that we were recording, and then people could uh, ask questions. You could do kind of a live Twitter thing, but it never really came. So. So and we no. got two followers on Twitter, uh, and one of them is the devil, which is kind of odd. <laughs> the All devil right. and Chris Roseborough. Hey, let me tell you about Vocation Symposium at uh, University of Oklahoma. It's sponsored is, by Lutheran is Student this a Fellowship. Live read ad. <laughs> is that what they call it in the industry? Yes. This yes. is the first one of these that we've never done. I'm kind of excited. Okay, no, continue, it's not. Please. We've done this before. Anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, the Vocation Symposium at OU. Uh, this year we're getting uh, Dr. Stephen Hine, who's the director of Concordia Institute for Christian Studies, come and talk about vocation, uh, the doctrine of vocation. This takes place uh, April the 10th uh, from 2 p.m. To, to 7.30. It's on the campus of OU. So if you're in the Norman, Oklahoma area, or if you like road trips, you should come to the 11th Annual Vocation Symposium featuring Dr. Stephen Hine. And it's really easy. All you got to do is go to this website, tlcnorman.org, and there's a little button for it. You can pre-register right there on the Internet so we know you're coming and you can pay at the door. $10 for adults, free for students. So that's April the 10th uh, from 2 to 7.30 p.m. in Norman, Oklahoma. All right, what do we have in store? What are we doing here? Are we, are we, uh, email. We got one more email. I want to do this email from this is from Keith from uh, from South Korea. <laughs> this right. is a face Facebook message. So you, if you want to plug your ears and let me do this segment by yeah. myself, I'll just sure. mute you. This is yeah. better. <laughs> here's here's he, here's a bunch of questions from Keith, but here's the one I'd like uh, to give to you. Uh, next question or set of questions. I'm from a Jewish background, and I don't understand how the Passover Seder has gone from storytelling into something mystical, whether as a means of grace, as consubstantiation. Uh, This meaning seems very clear from a Jewish perspective, and I often wonder if other meanings are largely anti-Jewish and were developed by simply going to their Jewish neighbor and saying, hey, when you do this, what does it mean? 
Uh, so there's a question. Could, uh, and, and here's a, maybe the follow-up. Could you tell me more about how you see communion, Lord's Supper, or uh, whatever it is that you call it? Okay. Well, I mean, I think uh, it's interesting that he calls it mystical. Um, but I, I think that we just simply take the words of Jesus, uh, which say uh, uh, that this is given, given for you. Why? For the forgiveness of all of your sins. So Jesus here is instituting something, and he's attaching a, a promise that attached to this what he's giving, uh, in this case, bread and wine. But he says, this is my body, this is my blood, for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Now, you want to take it from there, Pastor? Well, y- yes. Uh, the, uh, maybe the the main word for this, I mean, the kind of the, the connection between the Passover Seder meal and the Lord's Supper is has been uh, the cause for much, much spilled ink. Uh, what's the relationship between the two? When Jesus took the cup and blessed it, was he taking one of the cups from the Seder meal, or was it after the meal? Um, it is. It's the, one of the most interesting things to me is that Jesus didn't use the lamb and say, "This is my body," but rather took the bread and said, "This is hmm. my body." But, but I think the point is that there, there's two things that Jesus does this after the supper. So G, after they'd finished celebrating the Seder, the, the Passover meal. Um, uh, he was uh, uh, he he instituted the Lord's Supper and and what does he call it? He calls it the the New Testament, so that there's something precisely uh, new that's going on. So while there's a there is a relationship between the Passover meal and the Lord's Supper, it's a it's a it's a slight relationship. The the Lord's Supper is something new. Uh, so that instead of celebrating the Lord's Supper once a year, we have the command from Jesus to celebrate it often. Um, instead of uh, using all of this, um, uh, all the different symbols and, and meals and, and, and herbs and, and meat and everything like this, uh, we, we have simply bread and wine, and we take, like you said, the words of Jesus seriously, where this is my body and this is my blood. So, so, so somehow the the bread is the body of Jesus and the wine is the blood of Jesus. And the the final thing really is that the Passover Seder meal as it as they have it now. I mean the reason why the Jewish celebration of the Passover is about storytelling is because there's no temple. I mean when the Lord instituted this, he instituted it with the sacrifice of a lamb in the in the temple at the tabernacle or at the altar in Jerusalem. So that there was something real going on, namely the death of a lamb and the spilling of its blood for the atoning sacrifice. Uh, but really, without without that, the Seder has to be nothing more than storytelling. But we have, like the Old Testament Jews had something more than a story. We have something more than a story. We actually have the, the blood of the New Testament, which forgives our sins. Now to go answer his, his last question, can you elaborate uh, what we believe about about the Lord's Supper? It's this. Uh, that we believe in what's called the doctrine of real presence, that, that Christ really is present in, with, and under the, the elements of, of bread and wine. Not that, not that the bread and wine cease to exist, but they, they exist also, but, but also with uh, Christ really present. So, I mean, and it's not just sort of a, a spiritual eating and drinking. It, it, it's that, that we are really receiving into our mouths Christ's body and blood. Why? Again, for the forgiveness of all of our sins. And one of the ways that I, I like to kind of describe this sometimes is, remember that story, Pastor, when, when, when Jesus is in the house and it's so crowded that they can't even get this man who's lame into the house. So what they do, they, they peel the roof off and, and lower the guy down. And uh, do you know what the first thing that Jesus says to this man is? 
Uh, wait, he says you're forgiven, right? And, and everyone's going, how can this guy? How can this guy forgive sins? And see, there's this problem that that you can't see the forgiveness of sins. Like your your skin doesn't change colors when you're forgiven or anything like that. You can't see the forgiveness of sins. So what what Jesus does is attach the forgiveness of sins to something real, something visible. In this case, a healing. So he says, is it easier to say that your sins are forgiven or to get up, get off your pallet and walk? And of course, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. But Jesus. Uh, goes beyond that and says, "Get up, get off your pallet and walk." And so, in, in the same way, through the, through the sacraments, God attaches the forgiveness of sins to something visible that we can see and touch and taste. In this case, bread and wine, and, and that that bread and wine is attached to a promise that we are really forgiven by this eating and drinking. Yeah, that's marvelous. Uh, it's just it's wonderful the way the Lord does that. Keith, by the way, has a follow-up question. He says, is it possible that I could be a confessional Lutheran or at least becoming trapped in a Presbyterian Church America body? And if so, do I need to go to Thailand for surgery? And the answer is, it's possible that you are a Lutheran stuck in a Presbyterian body, but no surgery is necessary. (laughs) Just keep listening to Table Talk Radio. There you go. All right. Well, we only have about a couple minutes for some bumper sticker, uh, but we have a new little liner for this uh, bumper. If you want to give us a, a title audio for our, our games. Just call 866-851-5523 and leave it on our message there. But here's the one, our new one for Bumper Sticker Theology. Hey, this is Brian from Arvada, Colorado. And without Bumper Sticker Theology, I wouldn't be able to understand the hippies I see driving to Boulder each day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, I have... <laughs> You have a list of bumper stickers there. Uh, I have yeah. one through voicemail as well. Why don't you do one of yours first, and we'll go to okay, mine. Okay, well, uh, let me navigate over here to it. Da, 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 da. Yeah, well, you better do yours. I'm, I'm uh, on a different Hey, guys, page. this is one of your five viewers, or listeners, rather. Uh, I just saw a bumper sticker that says, uh, Jesus would not be a capitalist, but rather he's a socialist. <laughs> All right, well, I hope you guys have fun with that. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Uh these these bumper stickers are 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 nifty for people because they can make a claim without having to engage in conversation. <laughs> yeah, that is it. You know, this we live in a cliché society where where you where we are training each other to and even ourselves and even we train our children to say things that stop conversation. Ugh. And bumper stickers are kind of like that. I mean, you you're right. You can't respond to it. It's just Blurp. There it is. Yeah. So Jesus wouldn't be a capitalist; he'd be a socialist. Okay. So, uh, what do you think about this? <clears throat> well, I mean, if if Jesus did write the Ten Commandments, then uh, and you know my assertion that the Seventh Commandment forbids uh, socialism, namely that uh, when Jesus gives the Seventh Commandment, he is protecting private property. And so, uh, if uh, if the Lord Jesus stands behind the uh, the Ten Commandments, then uh, then I, I don't think this assertion can be defended. Right. Okay, do you have some bumper stickers? We have about a minute left here. Oh, yeah, here I'm clicking on discussions and uh, bumper sticker theology. Well, look at all this. Here's one. This is from Sally. It says, so many right-wing Christians, so few lions. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of that one? Uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Uh, of course, uh, going back to uh, the Colosseum, right? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, the, yeah. the good old days of martyrdom. It's like, uh, oh, too too bad we don't have a, a, a government that requires worship, and therefore we can't martyr the Christians. You know? 
All right, that one speaks for itself. We have about I, 30 seconds for another well, one. Here, I think these are from the same cars. I support the separation of church and hate. <laughs> you know, there, there's this current, I mean, by the irreligious, that, uh, that religion fosters hatred and division, not love. Uh, but look, when Jesus comes along and dies on the cross, he's, d- he's doing something different. He's saying, I- I'm willing to give up everything to have you. Uh, so, so this is the perfect love, the death of Jesus on the cross. All right, that's all the time we have. Uh, Bumper Sticker Theology, you can submit, submit them to our Facebook page, I guess. We're right back. If we can't coexist, coexist with the hearts, do the bumper stickers on your car say a lot, a lot about who you are or who you're not. Do the bumper stickers on your car say a lot, a lot about who you are or who you're not. Do, do, do. Not really one of the best decisions you've made today. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Vocation, Ordinary Life for Ordinary Christians. That's the title of the 11th Annual Vocation Symposium sponsored by Lutheran Student Fellowship of Oklahoma University. This year's speaker is Dr. Stephen Hine, the director of Concordia Institute for Christian Studies and associate pastor of Shepherd of the Springs Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This all takes place Saturday, April the 10th from 2 p.m. to 7.30. Registration is free for students and only $10 for an adult. If you're in the Norman, Oklahoma area, we hope you can make it to the 11th Annual Vocation Symposium featuring Dr. Stephen Hine entitled Vocation, Ordinary Life for Ordinary Christians. For more information, visit tlcnorman.org. That's tlcnorman.org. If you have any questions, zip me an email, evan at tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Someone sent me a uh, a message or a, a picture, email picture this week. And it had a picture of the guy that sings this song and it says, Lint, he's still never going to give you up. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I think it's funny, though. <laughs> hey, before we get started in playing uh, Name That Church Body, uh, oh, yeah. I we to- forgot to tell everyone we were playing this great game. Yes. Uh, which is uh, it's the only reason they're still tuned in to Table Talk Radio. Um, but before we get into that, I want to tell you about what's going on April 11th at 8 o'clock Central Time. We're going to do a Table Scraps Another live. Another live read ad. Oh, my goodness. We've done this before. I don't know why you decide to interrupt me today. Never paid attention, I guess. I'm always checking my Facebook emails. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this new Facebook page or club or whatever has uh, made you – pay attention to the show now is that is maybe that may, maybe so this one's with chris roseborough talking about the emergent church movement now there's many people who want to give uh, a few words to chris roseborough and you here's your chance to do it on live air uh you can listen to us live talking about the emergent church chris roseborough is uh the captain of pirate christian radio and host of the radio program fighting for the faith and we're going to let you call in and have and just kind of join the discussion of what we're talking about with the emergent church movement. So that's April 11th at 8 o'clock, Sunday night, uh, Central Time. 
Uh, you can listen on piratechristianradio.com or just visit our website, tabletalkradio.org. All right, we're playing Name That Church Body. Yeah. Want me to go first, or do you? Yeah, yeah I'm ready. I Give guess it to me. Now, we, do we do this where I read from the old uh, creeds and the and I read the books and everything, and you're reading off websites? Mm, kind of. All right. Something like that. Let's, let's do mine first, then, because mine is older. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Article 1. That God, by an eternal and changeable purpose in Jesus Christ his Son, before the foundation of the world hath determined out of the fallen sinful race of men to save in Christ, for Christ's sake, and through Christ, those who, through the grace of the Holy Ghost, shall believe on him, shall believe on this his Son Jesus, and shall persevere in this faith and obedience of faith, through this grace even to the end, and on the other hand, to leave the incorrigible and unbelieving in sin and under wrath, and to condemn them as alienate, Alienate from Christ, according to his word of the gospel in John 3.36. Hmm. Okay, so this church body seems to recognize the Trinity in some form and then uh, recognizes <laughs> the gospel of John. Is that you said John something? Yep, John 3.36. Right, yep. I, I need more, so you better read another one. Okay, I'll read Article 2 here. I'm just reading through this thing here. Uh, Article 2, that agreeably thereto, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, died for all men and for every man, so that he has obtained for them all, by his death on the cross, redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Yet that no one actually enjoys this forgiveness of sins except the believer, according to the word of the Gospel of John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Okay, so here we have... um, We have... uh objective justification that Christ has forgiven all although not all of not everyone enjoys this forgiveness only the believers hmm this is interesting mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. I don't really have a beat on this I mean that would exclude probably the our reformed brothers um, though I'm I'm having a hard time getting a beat on this so I better hear the the final quote here this is gonna stump you for sure Article 3, that man has not saving grace of himself, nor of the energy of his free will, inasmuch as he in the state of apostasy and sin can and of by him, can, can of and by himself neither think, will, nor do anything that is truly good, such as having faith imminently is, but that it is needful that he be born again of God and Christ through his Holy Spirit and renewed in understanding, inclination, or will, and all his powers, in order that he may rightly understand, think, will, and effect what is truly good, according to the word of Christ, John XV, that's fifteen five. <laughs> Without me, you can do nothing. So this, again, is, is talking about man's depravity, that uh, the unregenerate person can't do anything to please God or anything about his sinful condition. Um, <clears throat> boy, I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time getting a beat on this because... Hmm. I don't know. Uh, because m- most most uh, church bodies, if, if they're unwilling to admit... Um, if, they're, if they're not going ad- to admit universal atonement then then they're going to go some sort of a free will route but but this this document contain 
contains both. I mean, I typically agree with with everything that's said. Am I missing anything that I should be disagreeing with here? Well, uh, no. You, I mean, but you were you were really right when you said you were closer than you know when you said this excludes our reformed friends. Uh, remember, this first quote is emphasizing election, right? It starts with election, so that's something that tells you something, and it says that we uh, that by an eternal, unchangeable purpose. Before the foundation of the world, God has determined out of the fallen sinful men to save in Christ for his sake and through Christ those who, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, shall believe on this his Son and shall persevere in this faith and obedience to the faith. Okay, so, so, that, so that election is there done uh, in view of faith. That, that's going to be your key giveaway there. That election is in view of faith. Uh, so okay, so this is talking about uh, election only in terms of the gospel and only in terms of our salvation, right? It didn't it didn't talk anything about election in terms of of the damned, right? The uh, retrobate. Right. Well, he said uh, on on the other hand to leave the incorrigible and unbelieving in sin and under wrath and to condemn them as alien from Christ. This so this, it does have damnation. You're going to be surprised when I tell you what this is. Is it? Is this possibly Lutheran? No, it's not. Hmm. No, not Lutheran. I yeah, I don't I don't know that I quite like the language that that the that the uh those who are unbelievers just don't like the forgiveness of sins. Um I don't know. I I give up. What who is this? This is the article oh, the articles of Arminianism. The oh. five Arminian articles from 1610. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why not? Because Arminianism usually uh, talked about as being free will. Uh, th- this is Jacob Arminius, right? And so uh, usually he's he's put on the other end of Calvin. But here you're reading the documents talk about election, and he's talking about uh, how one who is unregenerate can't can't do anything to make a movement towards God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, have I mean, Arminian, Arminians or Jacob Arminius been mis- misrepresented? Well, slightly, but, but see, Arminian, uh, Arminianism and Calvinism have both really become caricatures. And in the debate between the two, the, the differences have become sharper and sharper. But this is, I mean, this was the original thing that got it started, and then the response to this was the Synod of Dort. Remember that? Yeah. Lovely named synod where the calvinists come out and they and that's the so so that five part calvinism is a response to these particular five armenian articles mm. yeah mm. Hmm. it's nice to study this stuff to i mean to see it so i did not uh hmm. what, what what is good i think the errors that we condemn in arminianism are right there to be condemned but you got to do a little bit of careful work to get to them and and perhaps that's the point is we we are not trained to be as careful as these old guys were so hmm. all right well, I have one nope. for you. No points for you. Thank Let you. me write down that. Let me, Evan, zero. Okay, <laughs> are you ready? Let's see how well you do. We have to move quickly here. All right, uh, I'm may- ready. Maybe you have to finish yours on the other side here. Um, this one, uh, first one is about original sin. Original sin standeth not in following of Adam, as the Pelagians do vainly talk, but it is the fault and corruption of the ver- of the nature of every man, that naturally is engendered of uh, of the offspring of Adam, whereby man is very 
uh, very far gone from original righteousness, and is of his own nature inclined to evil, so that the flesh lusteth always contrary to the spirit, and therefore in every person born into this world it deserveth God's wrath and damnation. Deserveth, huh? <laughs> inclineth. Is this from a website? This is I don't know. This is a, this is a King James only website that's uh, using the old <laughs> English. Um, okay. The the key word in that the key word in this is the is inclined to evil. Inclination is going to be our key. Uh, now it's true that we are inclined to evil, but that but you can go two ways with that inclination. That that by the way, the inclination to evil is what we call concupiscence, and it goes two ways. It can either be uh, uh, a sin itself, or it can be uh, not sin until the inclination is followed. And most, just about most everyone is going to say that's what the inclination is. It's not sin in and of itself. That's why the Lutherans had to write Article Two of the Augsburg Confession to say concupiscence is sin. Uh, but I still, I don't have any idea. So this could be just about anyone. We got to hear some more. And we'll do that right after this break. You are listening to Table Talk Radio everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show, and we want to hear back from you what you think of the show by calling 866-851-5523 or questions at tabletalkradio.org. Don't go away. More Table Talk Radio right after this. This is Chris Rosebro, captain of Pirate Christian Radio, and Table Talk Radio is PCR's top radio program right after Issues Etc., Fighting for the Faith, Sermons from Holy Trinity, The God Whispers, The Gift, Radical Grace, SoCo, Higher Things, The Feast, Dying to Live, Living Water, Words of Hope, Internet Monk, and reruns of The White Horse Inn. <laughs> Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. This is the final segment of the program. We are playing Name That Church Body. And Pastor has already gotten one uh, line from this uh, church confession on original sin. And now it's time for the second one. Are you ready? Ready. This one is on Born Ready. uh, Sin After Baptism. Okay. Not every deadly sin willingly committed after baptism is sin against the Holy Ghost and unpardonable. Wherefore, the grant of repentance is not to be denied to such as fall into sin after baptism. We have received the Holy Ghost. We may depart from grace given and fall into sin, and by the grace of God we may arise again and amend our lives. And therefore they are to be condemned, which say, they can no more sin as long as they live here or deny the place of forgiveness to such as truly repentant. 
Yes, that's uh, pretty good. So this is the, um, you know, in the early church there was this question. It, it, it came under the Donatist controversy because the Donatist controversy said that if a priest who baptized or who baptized you basically um, was to renounce the faith during the time of martyrdom and persecution, that the baptism wasn't a valid baptism. And they, and and Augustine said, no, no, it's the word of God. Uh, he, he rejects this Donatist controversy, and the Lutherans follow that. But there's this question of, is there a, the possibility of repentance after baptism that comes up? And uh, and there was all sorts of questions, especially in the early church. So they would make the people do penitence, show signs of um, of sorrow, etc., if you fell away or renounced the faith after baptism. Some said you couldn't be restored. That was it. You were done. Uh, but but this question it came up in the Reformation uh, especially because they were still kind of aware of this controversy. Uh, it, but then it kind of fades out. So I think that really after the Reformation, this question of repentance after baptism um, doesn't come back up again. Now the Lutherans would have said what you read there, but other people would have as well. So I don't I don't have enough of a beat to narrow it down. So I'm gonna have to go for a third a quotation. Okay, and I will give you the option. Do you want to hear on the authority of the church or of baptism? Oh. Oof. I think either one will give it away. Let's have... Um, let's have... Of the... Uh, of baptism. Of okay. baptism. <clears throat> okay, this is the article on baptism, and it says, Baptism is not only a sign of profession and mark of difference whereby Christian men are discerned from others that might not be christened, but it is also a sign of regeneration or new birth, whereby, as by an instrument, they have uh, that, um, sorry, they that receive baptism rightly are grafted into the church, the promises of forgiveness of sin and of our adoption to the sons of God by the Holy Ghost are visibly signed and sealed. Faith is confirmed and grace increased by virtue of prayer unto God. Um, and, and this last line, the baptism of young children is in any wise to be retained in the church and as most agreeable with the Institute of Christ. This sounds, I don't know why what you're reading from, but this sounds an awful lot like the Apology to the Augsburg Confession, uh, where Melanchthon says almost uh, precisely that that exact thing. Uh, that, that I, I didn't recognize immediately this this business of prayer, though. This the kind of emphasis on prayer might be. Uh, it seems to me to be uh, not quite in line with this. But I think I, I think this is. Uh, I think this is the apology to the Augsburg Confession. Oddly enough, now look, you just called the Arminian doctrine Lutheran, so I might look like a <laughs> goat too. But I think from these quotes, I I think that's where it's coming from. Is that right? No, I'm sorry. Oh, no, this I'm is actually <clears throat> three of the 39 articles. Ah, oh, man, the Anglicans. I got you before with the Anglican <laughs> articles too, didn't I? I think so. Ah, uh, you can see, you really see in the 39 articles the Lutheran influence, like you do in the articles of Dort too. I should have known better though. But what about the authority of the church? Give me that one, and let's see if we can pick anything uh, unique sounding out of it. <clears throat> okay, you got it. Here it is. The church hath power to decree rites or ceremonies and authority in controversies of faith, and yet it is not lawful for the church to uh, ordain anything that is contrary to God's word written, neither may it so expound one place of Scripture that it is repugnant to another. 
Therefore, although the church be a witness as a, and a keeper of holy writ, yet as it ought not to decree anything against the same, so besides the same ought it not to enforce anything to be believed or necess- uh, for necessary of salvation, necessity of salvation. Yeah, you can. T- so I maybe I should have gone for that one because the the Lutherans would never talk about the authority of the church um, in any sense. It's all it's always the authority of Christ and always the authority of um, of God's word. Uh, but you know this is why this is why the, those uh, that are those Anglicans that are listening to our show for some reason should become Lutheran because look at the, the, you would if you had some thirty nine article Anglicans hanging around. Uh, that would be oh, a million times better than whatever the Anglicans are now, because uh, uh, they really have nothing to do with this sort of doctrine. Now it's all about what open doors, open minds, uh, open. Well, everything's open over there. Isn't it? Isn't it true that in the Anglican Church, it's really up to the individual parish priests to institute what he or she believes? So, I mean, you don't you don't really find. Uh, a oneness of belief or doctrine in the Anglican, Anglican Church is that true? Uh, yeah, the 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 unity like like in the Catholic Church, the unity is not in doctrine uh, or in practice. It's kind of submission to the Pope. In Anglicanism, you find a unity of ceremony. Really, they mm-hmm. I mean, you do have your high Anglicans and your low Anglicans, and I guess then some middle Anglicans. But uh, but you have a um, uh, but you and the, so the unity is in this is in the uh, in the practice and not in the doctrine. And it's, you see it especially now. I mean, these guys are all over the place. But hmm. All right. All right. Boy, two failures. I, it's, don't, don't worry, dear listeners. You can trust our theology. <laughs> we think everyone's theology is Lutheran. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we should. This would be a very interesting thing because when you read through these old, uh, uh, these old theological documents, you really got to be careful and, and, and pick them closely. We probably should read through uh, to finding the things that not that sound like Lutheranism, but the, the things that don't. Uh, in fact, I might uh, take that project up myself. But I, but that discussion of uh, of baptism as a sign, I think it would be almost word for word from Melanchthon. I want to kind of compare, go back and compare because I wonder if the if the thirty nine articles picked up that language from the Apology to the Augsburg Confession. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be interesting. All right, your turn. Uh, wait, do you have a new one? Because I'm more interested in doing another new one than doing my second old one. Uh, not particularly, no. Okay, well then here it is. Uh, Article 1. As all men have sinned in Adam, lie under the curse, and are obnoxious to eternal death, God would have done no injustice by leaving them all to perish and delivering them over uh, to condemnation on account of sin, according to the words of the Apostle, Romans 3.19, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Mm, okay. Um, we're running r- running low on time, so why don't you go ahead and read the second one? All right. Uh, article 7. Election is the unchangeable purpose of God, whereby before the foundation of the world he hath out of mere grace, according to the sovereign good pleasure of his own will, choose from the whole human race, which had fallen through their own fault from their primitive state of rectitude into sin and destruction, a certain number of persons to redeem in Christ, whom he from eternity appointed the mediator and head of the elect and the foundation of salvation. Right. I have a beat on this, but read the third one. 
There are, this is Article 8, there are not various degrees of election, but one and the same decree respecting all those who shall be saved, both under the Old and New Testament, since Scripture declares the good pleasure, purpose, and counsel of the divine will to be one, according to which he hath chosen from eternity, both to grace and to glory, to salvation and the way of salvation, which he hath ordained that we should walk therein. Okay, so the first quote is talking about uh, original sin and the depravity of man. The second two talking an awful lot about election, even election of the retrobate. I think you're putting these two at, at both ends. I think you have Arminianism and then Calvinism on the other side. Is that right? You are right. I'll give you <laughs> 500 points for this. This is the canons of the Synod of Dort, the previously mentioned, uh, written in 1619. I don't know how those were written after the Arminian, before the uh, Arminian decrees. I'll figure that off out later. <laughs> oh, the Arminians were written in, in 1610. That's right. So this come is the Calvinistic response in 1619. There it is. Okay. Well, you have just uh, completed a whole hour of listening to Table Talk Radio. Congratulations, and I think you all get some Table Talk Radio points for that. I'll share my abundance of points if... Uh, Pastor, you don't have any to share, so I'll just... Yeah, uh, that's right. I'm running out from our Facebook page. Everybody's screaming, Hosanna. Oh, wait. I mean... Uh, that's... Oh, that's <laughs> mine. That's mine. <laughs> oh, you lose oh, points we're, for we're, using <laughs> my buzzword. I just thought I'd help you out. Oh, I used the wrong buzzword. Okay, that's all the time we have for this edition of Table Talk Radio. Thank you all for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the price of a vote of a pro-life Democrat. That was from our Facebook page, by the way. (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message. 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.